Who was the first Christian martyr? Stephen. We're going to start off by looking at the story of Stephen. So if you'd open up to Acts chapter 6, verse 11. We're talking this morning about peace, right? And peace is not generated by circumstances, right? I mean, some people experience peace because their circumstances are very favorable, but the peace we're talking about is something beyond our circumstances. And we see this happening in the first martyr. So Acts chapter 6, verse 11, it says, And they secretly persuaded some men to say, this is, um, we'll, we'll go a few verses before that. Here, We'll go verse 8. Now, now Stephan, a man, full of God's grace and power, and great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with, with Stephen, and they could not stand up against his wisdom and spirit by whom he spoke. So an argument broke out, right? He's preaching the gospel. He's telling the truth of the love of God, and there are people who hate the gospel. They're Jews, and they respond to him in a very harsh way. They secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So now this guy's being lied about, isn't he? Right? He's being lied about. There are people who have ill intent, and they end up seizing him. They stirred up the people, and the elders and the teachers of the law, they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy people and against the law. Have you ever been lied about? Has anybody ever slandered you? Right? So that's what's happening to this guy. And they physically grab him and they're taking him into like a courtroom. And it's all unjust. I mean, th this is all wicked, unjust stuff. Right? And when we go through injustice, when we're mistreated, when we're abused emotionally or physically, it's probably pretty hard to stay in a place of peace. But look, look at this guy. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at, at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Okay, When you see face of an angel, what does that make you think? You think he was angry and overwhelmed? No. What, what do you think was going on in his heart? He was resting in Jesus. That's right. And I think he was responding to this hate and this injustice with love. I think he was in control of his heart, and I think he was in control of his mind. And these horrible outward circumstances did not overwhelm the quality of his thought life or his emotional life. Why would that be the case? Any thoughts on that? Just feel free to share if you have any thoughts why, how he could overcome this opposition emotionally. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, he learned to rest in the Lord. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. God's close to people who are suffering. Yeah. Yeah, his eyes weren't fixed on the circumstances, but were fixed on God. And in Acts 6, 5, we see the character of this guy. We, we see what is going on in his spiritual life. It says that he is a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, right? So his faith is based on the promises of God, the reality of who God is, and the reality of eternity, right, his inheritance, and full of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about peace. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if he's full of the Holy Spirit, you know what's, what is just oozing out of this guy? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, right? And it's supernatural. It's being generated by the Holy Spirit, and it is overpowering the external attack that is coming against his emotions and his thoughts, right? We're, we're going to see the, the final conclusion of what happens here. So we're going into Acts 7. We'll go to 54. Acts chapter 7, 54. He has given a long speech about the history of Israel and God ministering to Israel. And remember, he's doing this in love. I mean, he's preaching the gospel in love to those that hate him and who really hate God when it comes down to it and are being very wicked to him, right? So he preaches the gospel. They hear this. They were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, there again, full of the Holy Spirit, right? He's living a life. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. And that, that verse is a continual filling. I mean, that, 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 that verb is, is a continual being filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's living a life where he's tapped into God and he's emotionally feeding on the power and love and grace of God. And it is just giving him the supernatural strength, right? And the supernatural perspective in his life. Now, uh, Stephen, Stephen, whichever you want to say it, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. So there's a vision. You know, Robin, you mentioned God is close to those who are suffering, right? I mean, Jesus is, is opening up the heavens to encourage him, right? Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And you just, you got to try and imagine the reality of this. Like somebody's grabbing you, you know, at your cloak, your shirt, whatever, and they are just violently you know, dragging you to a place to be stoned. You know that you're about to die. These people hate you, right? You're losing control of your physical circumstances, right? This is, this is trauma. We're talking trauma. We're talking torture. We're talking he knows he's going to die, right? Yeah, he is prepared. They began to stone him. How, how good do you think that would feel, right? People being stoned, and that happens today, right, in certain countries. People still do that kind of stuff. I mean, your body is being bashed to pieces, and you have nerves, and every stone, thousands of nerve endings are, are, are being uh, causing deep, severe, intense pain until you're dead. I mean, this is an awful way to die. It's a very cruel way to die. And, and uh, Stephen prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Receive my spirit. 
He's focused on Christ. Somebody said he's focused on Christ. He wasn't focused on circumstances. Throughout all his pain and torture and injustice, he stays fixed on Christ. And this gives him a supernatural power to overcome his circumstances, right? He falls on his knees and cries out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He left the world in love, didn't he? Right? He... He is a victorious person, just like Jesus Christ on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? He doesn't give in to hate. He doesn't give in to fear. But he's trusting Jesus so much, and his emotional life is in such a, a supernatural, positive state. He's able to respond to the worst injustice, the worst hate, with love, and leave this world in peace as his body's being bashed to pieces. Right? It says that he fell asleep. I think that's an incredible testimony to the power of what the Christian's emotional life can look like if they are full of the Holy Spirit and if their mind is fixed on Jesus. What does peace mean? And I'll give a definition. Freedom from annoyance, distraction, anxiety, worry, obsessions. Okay, so it's not having those things. It's a tranquility, a serenity, a calm. In John 14, 27, Jesus offers us peace. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, he's not just giving peace, but he's giving his peace. Right? The peace of Jesus, right? the peace of God. And we, we see that in the opening of many of the epistles of Paul where he says grace and peace of our God, God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. So he's literally invoking the supernatural peace of God that's our inheritance and releasing it to the, to the saints. There is a supernatural power to the peace of God. I mean, would you guys say that you, you've had times where you've really felt the tangible peace of God that's beyond circumstances go into your heart and affect your mind and change the way you're thinking, the change the way you're feeling, and just, just calming you down. Okay? Yeah, so we, we, we probably experience that on a pretty regular basis if we, if we connect with God on a regular basis. Galatians 20, 5.22, I said this before, the, the peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit's in me, I can 24-7 receive supernatural peace, right? And he wants to give it to me, just like he wants to give me every fruit. I can connect with God. I can ask the Father God to increase the peace of God in my life, and he's going to do it because he's a loving Father. So we always have that resource, okay? There are probably people in your lives where you can think, this person really carries a peace of God in a profound way. If I carry the peace of God in a powerful way, people are going to come around me and I'm going to release peace into their lives. Can anybody think of anybody like that? Where you get around them and you just, you calm, you find peace. Levi, who, who are you thinking of? Okay, uh, Eric, Eric Ray, how about you, Rob? Uh, my friend Phil. Okay, Phil. Okay, 
so a, a, a real powerful testimony is if the peace of God in you can release peace to other people. To think the peace that people felt when they were around Jesus Christ. He exuded that, right? He, he said to his disciples, do not be afraid. Peace I give you. So there's this just supernatural release of peace in the lives of certain people. Jesus says he, he doesn't give as the world gives. Right? The world gives us anxiety and fear, violence, temptation, lies. Can you say that, that maybe almost every day the world in some way, shape, or form attacks your peace? Right? So Jesus, he's painting a picture of reality that is reality. The world is hostile. Right? People in the world. Um, being harsh, right? Accusing, judging. Uh, you see temptation all over the place. There's violence. There's violence in entertainment. There's, there's impurity. There's lust uh, on commercials and, and all over the place. We see all sorts of things that barrage us. You know, relationships can really rob us of peace. But we don't have to be emotionally affected by these things. Right? How many people, somebody cuts you off? You're driving. Do you, does your peace get robbed? Is, has anybody here, can you look at your life and say in a certain area where there's been a weakness, where you've been really susceptible to have your peace robbed, and it could be driving, would you say that there's been a transformation and the peace of God took over that area of your life? That you're no longer affected, you no longer become reactionary? Or maybe somebody at work, I mean, most people in different environments at work, there's going to be somebody who rubs you the wrong way, right? Okay. So how do we overcome that, right? We're going to talk about some ways to really foster peace. But I'm just going to throw out a, that, that question. What else robs you, you folks of peace on a regular basis? Just throw out some things. Okay, no time to yourself. Okay, financial pressure. One of my sins of fighting with my brother. Ah, okay. Okay, personal conflict, fighting. People pleaser, okay. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, responsibilities. Anything else? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, I know people that tune out from the news because a lot of it is just bad. And a lot, if you just focus on the negative and you can't really do much about it unless you pray, you got to think how fruitful is it for me to even know some of this stuff? Or maybe I'm focusing too much on this stuff. Um,. For some people, it's their past. For some people, they have unresolved trauma. And that, the echo of that really affects your present life and the way you think and the way you feel. Right? How about when we sin? Does that rob us of peace? It does. Right. When we veer away from the way of the Lord, from the, the holy way that God has called us to live, a life of love, our emotional lives start to suffer. That's the reality of it. We're going to go to Philippians 
chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. And here we're given some tools of how to abide in peace. Okay, verse 4 of chapter 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So basically, he's talking about worshiping, right? And we can do it through song, or we can just do it by giving thanks to God audibly without, without different notes. When we were worshiping God this morning, would you say that there was some peace that was released into your life? Yeah. It's, it's a consistent thing. Again, we're talking about worshiping causes you to focus on God, doesn't it? When you focus on who he is and his goodness and you open your heart up to God, that starts to change things in your mind and your heart. And it's like, like a flower opening up and the sun, you know, the love of God, the peace of God, you're just positioning yourself to receive from the Lord. I think we all receive from the Lord as we are worshiping in a supernatural way. And in one way or another, it gave us peace. And maybe some of the fears or the, the uh, circumstances that are not positive in our lives started to lose their emotional power in our minds, right? The way we felt, the way we thought. So that's an important one. Sometimes I'll just bust out into worship, right? If I feel overwhelmed or there's something coming against me that wants to dominate my thinking that's not giving life, I can fight back. By just focusing on the Lord and worshiping him. So that's an important tool. Verse 5 says, Let your patience be known unto all men. Being patient with others preserves peace. Right, we talk about the, the person at work who maybe doesn't treat us the right way or is a bit harsh or overbearing. Okay, If I don't respond with patience and I allow that person's behavior to start getting a hold in my, my thought life and my emotional life, things start to get ugly, don't they? Right, they get toxic. So I need to be patient with people who are hard to deal with. And I need to have a continual attitude of forgiveness. Right On the road, when people are being disrespectful the way they're driving, I need to be continually forgiving. And if I don't have that attitude of forgiveness... I'm going to lose my peace, right? <coughs> Verse 6 says, In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. God invites us to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us, right? We were singing his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Every hair on our head is numbered, Right? So we have a loving Father who's all-powerful and all, all good. And when we, as his children, sons and daughters, give our concerns, give our emotions, and it might be something that's irrational, it might be something that, that whatever, it doesn't matter. Because he cares how we feel, and everything's a big deal to him in our lives. Because we're his children, right? And good moms and good dads are going to, care about every little thing in their children's lives and they're going to want to bring them comfort and peace and joy. Right? C would, would you say that you bring things to the Lord, specific things, and you're able to cast your cares upon him in prayer and you can feel that burden lifted? Like there's somebody on the other side that cares that's bigger than me and knows what to do. Right? 
right? I, I've had so many times in my prayers where I'll feel heavy, I'll feel weighted, I'll wait upon God. It might be for two minutes, it might be for a half hour. But as long as I stay there in his presence and share my heart with him and share my burdens and fears and just be vulnerable, there is a transaction that happens. And my emotional life becomes so much more positive, right? The worry and the anxiety to start to to lose their power. Yeah, so prayer. Prayer is so important. And being thankful. Now, the, the glass can be half empty or half full in our lives, right? No matter what your circumstances are, your financial situation, your relationships, there's always things to be thankful about, right? I mean, geez, I'm breathing now. I can walk. I can see. My senses are working well, Right? I have people in my life that love me. And beyond that, right, I mean, I have, a, I, have, I have food, clothing, shelter. I have a vehicle, all that kind of stuff. And I've got these awesome promises of eternal life and a glorified body and a place where there's no more tears, no more hardship, all these things. You think, it go back to Stefan here. Stephen, I had a friend named Stefan, so I often say Stefan instead of Stephen. So that explains it in case you were wondering. Okay. <laughs> so... Our friend, the first martyr, who, who we'll meet, I'm sure we'll meet him, you know, when we, we're on the other side, you know, how real those promises were for him, how tangible the kingdom of heaven was for him. I mean, his heart was anchored in the kingdom of God, and that determined the quality of his emotional life and his focus Right? So I can endure hardship in the present tense and finding a peace as I anchor my soul in Christ. And I can speak out. I mean, I find so much power in the spoken word when we speak and declare the promises of God. Right? To say God is always for me. I can say Romans 8.28. He always works things together for the good. And so when things are looking really bad in my life, I can declare Romans 8.28. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose, he works out all things together for good. And that gives me a peace and a security when I think about the future. And it, it can take something that's really bad in my life now. It's like, wait a second, God's got a plan here. And I don't know what's going to happen, but he's going to do something good out of this ugly situation. Right? He's my provider. He's going to provide for all my needs. That's what the Bible says. I can declare the word and declare He's coming back. He's going to take over in all sin, all injustice. He's going to remove it. I'm never going to have a conflict again with anybody. My heart's never going to be lacking in emotional satisfaction. I'm not going to be lacking in love or lacking in food or lacking in provision. Ever. Ever. And when you think about those things, it transforms your emotional life. Verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. Right? So he's describing the peace of God. It's supernatural. It goes beyond reason. Shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. So we, we learn something here. Peace affects our mind and peace affects our hearts. Peace affects our emotional lives and it affects the way we think. Right? Two dimensions of, of how we respond to peace. What does a mind look like that's in a state of peace? It's not racing. It's not afraid of the future. It's not 
afraid of people. It's not obsessing over things or obsessing over people. Our thinking is constructive. It's rational. It's life-giving. And it's inspired by faith. You can have a mind that the way you're thinking is inspired by faith and love, or you can have a, a, a train of thought that is inspired by fear. When we lose peace in the way we think, there's always fear behind that. Fear is the motivating factor, right? And so th that's an important insight there. So if that's the case, we need to go back to connecting with the heart of God and the promises of God and get to a place where faith and love are once again dominating your perspective of life, right? If we keep thinking about negative things, like fear of the future, fear of whatever, um, we start to lose control, right? But the reality is God has given us power over our minds and our hearts, right? So we need to yield our minds and our hearts to the word of God, to the spirit of God, and we'll find freedom. Some of us have a really hard time, like we might describe ourselves as a worrier, right? Where we might be afraid of the future, anxious, insecure. And if that's the case, it was probably something you inherited, you can look down the family line and say, how secure, how joyful was my mom or my dad? Were they worried? Were they really focused on anxious, negative things? You know, what was their emotional quality of life? And if it wasn't that great, that was our example of like how, how we live. That was imparted to us, how we think, how we feel. We were conditioned that way. But we're not a slave to that. God gives us the power to be transformed, Right? Romans 12 talks about our minds being transformed and we can walk free from that sort of inheritance of thinking. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It doesn't say it's a, it's a given, it's a guarantee. It doesn't say the peace of God will rule in your hearts. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And you know what that implies? That every Christian has the power to allow the peace of God to rule in their hearts. So it's a choice every day, every second of the day. You can focus on things, you can, you can choose behavior that's going to generate that peace, that's going to open the door for the peace of God to flood your mind and your heart. Or you can make other um, decisions that are going to really rob you of peace. So the power, the power is yours. Philippians 4 eight says, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So he's really saying you need to be intentional about what you think about. In order to walk in peace in the Christian life, you have to f like force yourself to focus on good things, life-giving things, right? And that's one of the reasons why I rarely ever watch the news because it's not life-giving, okay? I pray for ISIS. There are times where I pray. You know, I pray for the country. I pray for, for big things and, and other things that are, are more like in people's personal lives. And I'm able to steward it in such a way where it's like, 
I know God is good. I know God is bigger than these things, right? And sometimes we can look at things like ISIS and all this, this horrible stuff that's happening in the world, and we can let it overwhelm us. But if we don't overly focus on it, and if we bring it to God who's bigger, we can turn it into something constructive, right? And in some way, shape, or form, when I pray for God's mercy on the Muslims, you know, a lot of those folks are, are Muslims. That's just a reality. You know, the leader of ISIS is actually got a PhD in Islamic studies. I mean, um, when I can respond to something like that with the heart of God and say, God loves these people, even if they're beheading children, God loves them, right? I can respond to that with love. And that love casts out the fear that the enemy's trying to release through those people. Right? So we need to respond in love to any sort of threat and any sort of situation, just like, like Stephen did. And we're going to find a victory in our emotional lives. We talked about worship as reconnecting us to the peace of God, to the heart of God. When we get worried or anxious, there's really a disconnect that's happening. We're connecting to these, these, these ugly things. And they're dominating our thought life, our emotional life. So we need to realize that's happening. I'm disconnecting with God because if I'm connected to God in a meaningful way, even if I'm struggling, there's going to be a deeper peace. That's the result of that relationship, the quality of that relationship with God. Sometimes I'll ask the Lord, God, just bring me to a place where I really experience you in a powerful way. And... I'll just wait, and usually some, there, there'll be some sort of memory of maybe a time of worship or a time where God really brought deep healing in my life. And these emotions of peace and the revelation of the goodness of God will just start to push away that other stuff. And I'll just start to appreciate what God did for me, and it's a way to reconnect with him when I'm disconnected. And it can happen really fast, and all of a sudden it's like you're, you're looking at life in a way that is healthy and that's that's based on truth and not based on irrational fears we're transformed by what we focus on right you become what you focus on don't you isn't that true right so we, we saw our the verse that we read in in philippians i i knew a lady and you know i, I suppose i could say i know several people like this where they might have a conflict at work. This lady had a conflict at work where a coworker was really rubbing her the wrong way for whatever reason. And she let the sun go down on her anger. And you know what she would talk about whenever I'd see her? The coworker. It dominated her. She lost control. Her emotional life, the way she thought, what she thought about became toxic. And it defiled others. The Bible talks about I think it's in Hebrews, don't let a root of bitterness spring up in your heart, lest it defile many. It's not just going to defile you, it's going to defile others, right? So she ultimately was not obedient to God because we are supposed to forgive, and she suffered the consequences. She did not have peace. She suffered big time. The greatest peace, we see it in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if there's anybody that I want to have peace with, it's God. Right? Um, there are a lot of Christians that don't feel like they have peace with God. There are a lot of Christians that feel like God is not accepting them, God is not pleased, and their struggle with sin creates a barrier, and they're afraid that if they don't get everything in order, God's going to get rid of them, or God's going to be harsh, God's going to punish them. There are times where I'll ask people, are you, are you doing Christian things because you feel so loved by God, because you feel so accepted, because there's no fear? Or are you doing these things out of fear? Because you're afraid if you don't do them that your your standing with God is, is not going to be what it what it, you want it to be. And you know what? Maybe maybe almost half the people that I'll ask ask this question to, if they really think about it, they'll say, I'm actually doing a lot of this stuff out of performance, out of fear. Okay? And that's not a good thing, right? And if that's the case, we need to go back to theological truth. The Bible says that we are justified by grace through faith, not by works. And that word justify means to declare not guilty, right? That's, that's part one of justification. So the righteousness of Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He perfectly fulfilled the law, right? When he died on the cross, all my sins, past, present, future, go to the cross. They are, they are taken care of. They are atoned for, and I'm legally justified. I am legally set free from the wrath of God and the justice of God because the wrath and justice of God, justice of God 100% was taken care of around 2,000 years ago on Calvary when Jesus did it. That's the first part. The second part of justification is imputed righteousness. So that literally means every good moral act, every perfect act that Jesus did on the cross, that's my inheritance. When God looks at me, he looks at the righteousness of Christ. And if I come to a place where I realize this, and I can say I'm accepted in the beloved because of what Christ did for me, I have peace with God through Jesus. I've been reconciled to him on the cross, and that's never going to be severed. Okay, That gives you a security, and there's spiritual power to that. The enemy wants to come in. Right? And so, so many of us can think, well, I'm saved by grace through faith, like when I first came to Christ, but then, but then it's up to me. Right? And especially if we grew up from, in homes where there was a lot of conditional love and a lot of rejection if we didn't live up to our parents' standards or even just neglect, that translates into how do we relate to God, even though it's theologically erroneous. It can still be the way some of us live our lives. So we need to be aware that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, right? Nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? So I need to be anchored in that promise. And it's going to bring peace, security, transformation. And we're going to close now. I'm going to pray for us, though.
first, and then we're going to break up into groups after that. Okay. Thank you. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus came. He died on the cross. He came to give us peace. And we receive that peace by faith. We don't earn it. It's a gift. And for those of us that are afraid, God, that we're going to lose our, our place in your family, God, we just renounce the lie that our salvation is based on our performance, on our works, it's, it's based on and preserved by what Jesus did. And it's, it's a done deal. We are given the Holy Spirit, who is a seal, a guarantee of our inheritance. Thank you, Lord. Those who have the, the Spirit of God, they are children. We have the Spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And Lord, if, if some of us grew up in environments where we, we were rejected or shamed or the relationship was based on our performance. We just forgive our parents for that. And we renounce the lie that you're that way, God. We just declare that our relationship with you is not based on our performance, but it's based on Jesus' performance. And faith is a gift. So we thank you, Lord, that we are secure in the family of God. We just pray that you'd break off any fear, any fear of, of condemnation, any fear of loss, any fear of being rejected. And we just repent of any self-rejection. And if there's anybody here too, Lord, who they did let the sun go down on their anger and they've, they've been hurt or offended by anybody in their lives, God, we pray for the grace to forgive them and just to let that go, to bring it to Jesus and to show them grace as you have shown us grace. And those who are afraid of, of just fear of lack, fear of uh, lacking of finances, of the future, we just give those things into your hand. And we just declare that you've always provided for us, God, and you always will, because your nature doesn't change. We pray, Lord, that our, we just pray that you'd help us to Apply some of these things that were shared today. Uh, just really feeding on life-giving truth and being led by faith and love and not by fear in how we think and how we feel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.